Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unnecessary Noise. I'm your host, TJ Tullock, and it is episode number 61. Episode 61. Also the name of my favorite sports film. Well, definitely in the conversation for my favorite sports biopic. Sports baseball biopic? Yeah. Is there anything else I like better? I'm going to go with it's... It's up there. It's definitely in the top 10 of sports films. I think that, Rocky, uh, Any Given Sunday, the first Rocky, not like the 20 other sequels. Although Creed was pretty good, I would have to say. If I'm going to put, if I'm going to talk Rockies, we're going to say Rocky, then Creed, then you can probably go sequentially, um, chronologically, whatever, you know. Rocky, Creed, then 2, 3, 4, 5, Balboa, Creed 2. That's my ranking. But I'm not here to talk about Rocky or its sequels or Any Given Sunday or even The Sandlot. I'm here and I'm going to talk about episode 60, or episode 61, <laughs> the, the movie 61, because I feel like it's forgotten because it was an HBO movie. And at the time, you know, it was released, what, mid-2000s? Maybe early 2000s? I might have even still been in high school, so it might have even been, like, 2001. Billy Crystal directs it. Barry Pepper stars in it. It's about the home run race to beat Babe Ruth's record uh, between Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. It takes place in the early 1960s. I can't remember. Did, it, did they break the record in 61? I can't remember. But uh, a little bit of background... For anybody that's uh, not aware of what that record was, Babe Ruth, biggest sports icon uh, before Michael Jordan, arguably the guy that made um, sports superstars a thing, you know, early 1920s, uh, beat, uh, hit 60 home runs in a season, and uh, I think when he, he landed on the plate, it was like 60, count them 60. It was a big thing. No one was ever thought to beat that record. There were two records in baseball no one was ever going to beat. It was Babe Ruth's record of of 60 home runs in a game, and uh, the other one was Joe DiMaggio's uh, 52 game, 52, 56 game, 56 game hitting streak, 52 game. Baseball fans will hate me on that, almost like. Every hockey fan hates the fact that I don't know which Stanley Cups the Edmonton Oilers won. You know what? I don't. And I can barely remember, and I'm a Blackhawks fan, I can't remember which years they won the Stanley Cup uh, in this past decade. Not the past, not this decade, because 2021, I don't think they won. I can't even tell you who won the last Stanley Cup. Ooh. Ugh. That's pretty bad. That is, that's bad. But we're not talking about hockey. We're talking about baseball. And so the context being, it goes through uh, the story, the, the parallels of the two lives these men, men led. Um, Mickey Mantle, beloved by the New York media, um, very charismatic, total womanizer, total party animal, very beaten up uh, body-wise, um, was still slugging it out. And I think uh, Maris was batting behind him in the lineup. Um, 
And so the New York media didn't like Maris, Roger Maris, because even though like he was just quiet and he didn't uh, he didn't have the New York swagger that uh, that Mantle did. Apparently, I don't know. I wasn't born. This is what the movie is portraying. So it could be an entire falsity. Uh, it could be a fabrication. Could it be all in good old Billy Crystal's imagination? I don't know. But either way, it's a very engaging story. Uh, and just how Roger Maris is chasing the, these two guys are chasing this home run record. The media is portraying Mickey Mantle as the heir to the throne. And every and meanwhile, Roger Maris is getting death threats from New Yorkers to let's stop trying, which is crazy. Because why would you threaten a member of your own team not to succeed, you know? And so here's where it gets weird. Um, because the, the commissioner at the time is such a fan of the Babe, and apparently uh, he was friends with Babe Ruth back in the day, uh, they had extended the season. I think I can't remember what the Babe hit 60 home runs in. But they said anything past this date uh, would be met with an asterisk. So it was Maris never beat the record. I think he tied the record. Um, but I don't think he beat the record So uh, within the allotted time. Uh, so it was 61 with an asterisk. So that Babe Ruth's record could still technically stand. Which... It did for many, many years, um, not just babes. Um, I'm talking about Roger Maris's. Roger Maris's still stood for years. No one was able to really even come close, except in 90, 1998 when you had three people chasing it down. I think Griffey had hit like something like Griffey. It was Griffey, Sosa, and McGuire. And I remember this because this is when I was kind of into baseball. Griffey had hit, like, the 97, I think Griffey had hit, like, 52. McGuire had hit, like, something like 54 or 56. I can't, I don't have the total numbers on me. I just remember Sports Illustrated had Ken Griffey Jr. on the cover both times. And it was always the home run, it was the home run race was just on, and it was Griffey, uh, it was Griffey McGuire, Griffey McGuire, I remember Bonds that, for some reason, I remember Barry Bonds that year, like, getting into a fight and getting, I think he got suspended that year because he, like, got into a fight with one of the pitchers or, I don't know, it was a whole thing. So it was Bonds McGuire, uh, or, sorry, not Bonds McGuire, Bonds got suspended. He'd later go on, the reason I say this is because he would later go on to be the current record holder, uh, but it was Griffey. Uh, Griffey McGuire, then Sosa kind of just crept in out of nowhere and it became McGuire, Sosa, McGuire, Sosa. And then the night um, uh, Mark McGuire broke the record, Sammy Sosa was playing first base. So it was kind of nice. It, it was a healthy competition. Both those guys were very... Uh, um, congratulatory of each other. They were both cheering each other on. Uh, I think McGuire ended up with 70 that year, and Sosa ended up with 66. 
I think that was it. So, like, both of them, like, shattered the record. Now, mind you, they were both geared to the max out of their minds on steroids. You look at them now, they are, back then, they look like they could have been in the WWE, WWF at the time. What was it? I think Rick Riley wrote an article on that. And the reason I remember this is because I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated. And my, um, I think it was, yeah, the line was, there's something going on in Major League Baseball locker rooms. And he used the line, it's looking like the backstage at WCW Nitro. Now, they were all, and what he meant by that was just simply everybody was on the gear. And we'd find out later through Juiced, a book by Jose Canseco, and I think, was it called, the, is it the Mitchell Report? Is that the one that, uh, is that the one that, whatever the, the report was, that like outed a bunch of guys that tested positive for steroid use? And it became a whole thing. People were testifying before Congress. Uh, Mark McGuire was like, I'm not here to talk about the past. That was the whole thing. <laughs> I'm here to talk about the future. Everybody came out years later and said they did it. but And so that's why you don't have Mark McGuire in the Hall of Fame. You don't have, like, Sammy Sosa in the Hall of Fame, which I think is kind of just sad, too. Because Griffey got in. I think Griffey definitely deserved to get in because he was never associated with the steroid scandals. But, I mean, this was a special time in baseball. 1998 was, was awesome, because the home runs brought back baseball to a point where people cared about it again. You got to understand, for years, baseball had been the, the sport of, of America, America's national pastime. But football had slowly been creeping up. And in 1994, you know, <laughs> this is where, again, not a, not a conspiracy theorist, definitely not a conspiracy theorist, but... You know, you'd had two Canadian, you'd had two back-to-back -back wins by a Canadian team, a team outside the United States of America, stealing America's national pastime, and going into the players' strike of 1994, Toronto still had a strong team, but you also had the Montreal Expos in first. So that'd be three years Let's just say Montreal goes all the way. I think Pedro Martinez was on the team at that time. Montreal goes all the way and uh, wins the World Series. That's three years. Could you imagine an all? Could you imagine a Toronto versus Montreal World Series? That would be crazy. That would have. That would have. Uh, they. Th I. I think that's why. That what they were worried about. They were worried about. They were like, we'd rather just not have a season. Which also sounds ridiculous now that I'm saying it. Okay, maybe I'll take the tinfoil hat on. Maybe the players just wanted more money. I don't know. I, I really don't. But either way, 94 season was canceled. Basically, like, submarining the, the Montreal Expos, driving down attendance, and, you know, screwing up the Blue Jays' plans. And no one cared about baseball anymore football took over as the dominant sport and actually in the 90s it was basketball was king because jordan was just all over the place although this would have been the year would this have been the year 
that like Jordan was gone from the NBA. It might ninety was ninety four when he left, and was actually playing baseball. Ironically, I think it was. I think that's what maybe drove Michael Jordan back to the NBA. I think the player strike because was it ninety three? I think he. I think ninety three. He said he was retiring, and then ninety four he he like he started trying to play ball down down. Uh, and he, I think he was Terry Francona was his manager. Terry Francona would go on to lead Boston, uh, the Boston Red Sox, to win a World Series years later. For anybody, I'm just curious. You know what? Why am I explaining all this? Because I have no idea who my audience is right now. The past four episodes, I've been talking about conspiracy theories, which, by the way, I'm still going to... I haven't talked about the possible time travelers that I met on the way home that I just... I have a hypothetical about, but we'll talk to that about that in a bit. I'm going to get to that in a second. I think there might have been... I think, you know... This is the narcissism creeping in. There may have been... I may have ran into some time travelers on the way home. I'm just saying. <laughs> Either that or their glitches in the Matrix. Agent Smith. Um, but what this has to do with... Uh, with getting back to 98. 98 being such a magical season. Uh, home runs, the long ball, got people back into baseball. It took headlines away from everybody. You know, it was something to watch. It was the, the, in the summer, it was the only story going on that people were into. And it, 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 we got back into baseball. It was, it was fun. You know, you get, it was something to check the count on. Oh, did Mark, Mark McGuire hit anything today? No, not today. Oh, he hit three this week. And they were just raking. They were moonshots. Just Awesome. And so that's why I think it's a tragedy that, uh, you know, and then when they broke the record, oh, and he was so classy. It was so fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, that's why I think it's it's tragic. Yes, they did steroids. Yeah. Should they be in the hall? Eh. You know, you profited baseball. You can't have it both ways. You know, I mean... Ugh. It's a tough one. I'm just saying it's it's like I'm not and I'm I guess if you have a set of rules you're governed by and everybody's under the same guidelines, but at the same time no one was regulating. There was no regulation in baseball. Some people were taking things, some people weren't. It was just it was just kind of swept under the rug. You can't have it both ways, baseball. I guess you can, but you should really, I, I think, if it were up to me, Roger Clemens, is Roger Clemens in the hall? Might be. I know he got popped too, but that was later in his career because he just kept going and going and going. All his years in Boston would have put him in the hall anyways. And the two Cy Youngs with Toronto? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even though apparently I, I've, heard, I've heard mixed reviews on his, uh, his time in, Tr in T.O. in the six there. Whatever. Um, moving on, moving on, moving on. The point is, the movie's great. Number, watch, watch 61. Uh, the reason I talked about the 98 thing is because they cut to footage in that film 
about the 1998 run and they cut to the the moment where uh Mark McGuire goes over and hugs the Maris Maris family when he wins the World Series which I mean you know now that again tinfoil hat how did he know he was going to hit that home run? How did they know that night was going to be that night? I guess McGuire was just so hot. Were they just in town for the series? Because that's a pretty staged photo op, too. And now that we know a little bit more about media production and what it takes, you know how hard it is to hit a home run? I mean, it's harder to hit a triple because you have to actually run. But to actually launch a fastball, and not only that, but if you watch that, sh that, if you watch that race, this is back in the days of flash photography. This isn't when people just had their cell phones out, you know, and they had great aperture and shutter speed on this. You're talking about like a, like a thousand flashes. I almost said a million. But it was like thousands of flashes just going off because everybody wanted to capture that moment. Everyone had their little pocket camera in there. So imagine trying to fight thousands of flashes. That's why I'm, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe. And then Sammy Sosa, I mean, Sammy Sosa got popped using a corked bat, too. <laughs> Sosa! Yeah, okay, Sosa... <laughs> Sosa definitely got caught with more than just the steroids. He got caught with the cork bat, which apparently can help launch, just launch balls into the uh, the upper deck. <laughs> Using like a lighter, yeah. Sosa, Sosa got in a lot of, yeah. We all just kind of were like, oh yeah, I guess he did. I guess he used it. And we were so, everyone's so naive. And of course we're all cynical now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he was fine. He was it was an accident. We just wanted to see. We just wanted to see. So we wanted to see records get broken. I think as as uh, you know, it's in our instinct to just want to be a part of history. You know, say I I remember that, and so and it worked. I I did. But now, yeah, going back and watching that moment where Roger, where McGuire walks over and. Hugs Roger Maris's family. I'm like, what happens if he hit a dry spell? Like, what happens if, if McGuire just doesn't hit another home? Like, if he's at 60 for, like, five days, you know, and he just does, like, do the, do the Maris family just wait? Just sit, sit there and wait and have to wait and have to just kind of, okay. All right, let's... Uh... Okay, we're back again. Do they go on the road with him? Or do they wait till, like, Bush Stadium so that they can celebrate McGuire's 61st at home? I'm just saying, if he, like, it was, luckily, it was because it's so perfect. McGuire's at home in St. Louis. Launches one. Of course, the Maris family's there. But he was very gracious. Probably because he was juicing. I don't know. No, I loved McGuire. Growing up, McGuire was my hero. And I, the funny thing is, I defended him so much. I was like the biggest McGuire defender because everyone was saying he was juicing. And I had this Sports Illustrated article. I still do. It was the Baseball Preview 90, 98 Preview. Had Griff, like I said, had Griffey on the title, on the cover. 
big thick print and it was a full feature on McGuire. And he said, no, I never took steroids. They're stupid. I have no idea why anyone would take such a thing. And so I, I took him at his word. I'm like, he's a professional athlete. Why would he lie to me? <laughs> why? Oh, well, I could think of several million reasons why. They're all green. <laughs> oh... Young grade seven teach. So naive about the world. Anyways. <laughs> I really did think he was... Okay. But yeah, 61. Definitely a good movie. If you haven't seen it, put it on your list of uh, things to watch on Crave. I think it's on Crave. It's definitely, it's definitely on any HBO streaming service. 61... 61 with an asterisk. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. I started mumbling my words. Oh, man. Moving along. The one other thing I was going to say. Because, you know, I saw these people walking home tonight. And this is, again, I don't know why, but I got a weird feeling. Not a tinfoil hat guy. You know me. We've only talked about, like, maybe one or two conspiracies. Maybe the whole 61 thing was, was rigged. Maybe. Maybe they just wanted to get it signed out. I'm going to go back to this. Maybe they just wanted McGuire to get it over with. So they're like, okay, lay him in one. We play 162 games, okay? Just give him one fastball down the middle so we can get this over with. We can have the storybook ending. We can put this in highlight packages for years to come, only to realize you're only going to probably use it for the next, like, maybe two or three until Barry Bonds, like, broke the record. Did he hit 71 or 73? No. Oh. <laughs> and nobody. This has now become the worst record in baseball because everybody hates Barry Bonds. People liked Sosa. People liked McGuire, you know, people liked Griffey, you know, that was such a good, it was such a fun thing. Again, Griffey was kind of out doing the American League circuit and, and, uh, so that's, he never played, uh, McGuire and Sosa as much. I think it was the first year of interleague play between the National and American Leagues too. Now they do it all the time. Now it's not a big deal, but back then it was like, wow, 162 games. Probably coach just thing, you know. Bud Seelig at the time, look. He's going to break the record eventually. Just throw him a fast one down the plate. If you guys are down, just lay it in. 3-0 count. Give him, give him a heater and let him, let him give him the green light and a heater down Main Street. Boom. Storybook ending. That's it. That's... That's my tinfoil cap. I wouldn't be surprised. Now, knowing what we know, if they gave him that. It's still a hard pitch to hit. Like I said, still thousands of flashbulbs flying. He still has to hit the ball, which is incredible to do. Just saying. Anyways. I still love Mark McGuire. Still my favorite. Still my favorite ball player. Definitely couldn't bench as much as him. I have his rookie card, too. His arms, it's hilarious because you see his rookie card. Look at his rookie card and look at him in, like, 1998. 
two completely different humans. It's, it's like that uh, thing line in Trainwrecked when they call John Cena Mark Wahlberg. It looks like 1998 uh, Mark McGuire ate like 1985-86 Mark McGuire. Anyway, moving on. Talking about time travelers, possibly. Two people walking walking um, their dog, and they were backlit. But they had like a weird, familiar vibe to them, and I couldn't see their face. And I'm wondering, it was just a very, I just got a very weird, I'm not like an aura guy, I don't believe in that garbage. I might believe in, okay, you know what, I might believe in <laughs> alien takeovers, AI, AI uprisings, CIA listening in, Constable Sam Ichabod Smith, check it up on me. But, you know what, I don't believe in energy and auras. Having said all that, there was something, there was just something. I'm like, maybe, maybe I recognized the gate, the way in which they were walking. But I didn't. I, I I I could not see their face. It was like it was like those backlit interviews with drug dealers and like mob informants. So I'm wondering if they were they were time travel travelers from the future. And I don't think they were they're coming to see me, but maybe someone in that neighborhood. They wanted to see what Langley was like. Maybe this is the birthplace of something. I don't know. I have no idea. It was just weird that, like, the only thing, like, you could see kind of, like, the halo effect from, like, the, the street lamps. Couldn't see their face. That's it. That's my weird, that's my weird interaction today. I don't know if they were following me or not. I just don't. Anyway, I think that pretty much wraps it up for me. Um, yeah. Moral of the story. Go watch 61. HBO movies can be good. Most of them? Eh. Some of them? Ah, what was the other one that was I liked? I mean, their miniseries are good, but their actual movies, their two-hour movies... They're pretty hit or miss. I'm trying to think of what the other one I was uh, like really like. Documentary series are awesome. Really like the Jinx. Oh, I like that. Um, was it uh, Hugh Jackman? The one with Hugh Jackman. That was good. So moral of the story: Every so often, you can find a gem in HBO movies. And 61 was a fun time. 1998 was a fun year. And if you're going to do steroids, don't get caught. That's it. All right. That's it for me to guys. Me to guys? That's it for me, gang. Obviously, I'm starting to slur my words. You have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Or whenever. Maybe I won't. This is a daily podcast, but these are up forever. Good day.